let's just talk about for a moment as we're what we're doing today, which is a kind of a special day, a little different than normal as we humble ourselves before the Lord preparing for revival. We uh, we can look back to our passage in James chapter four, which we've been dealing with. This is kind of the third part of that message. And James chapter four, verse 10, if you remember, said, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And there's a pattern in that. As we humble, he lifts up. There's a pattern that we see out of Second Chronicles 714 that is often a revival passage that's used, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then, so if we humble, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and heal their land. This is what we need. This is what the world needs. This is what our country needs. And yet, sometimes we can ask about everything that's going on, how long, Lord, and why? Why, why are you not doing something? And perhaps... The promises of God to heal may not be happening until we humble ourselves. And so we're going to take that opportunity this day, uh, his people, my people, to humble ourselves before him and to seek him in, in healing. In fact, we move on to verse 8. That last week it was come near to God, he will come near to you. But that next part today, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. So today may not be a comfortable service in some ways. It's not comfortable humbling ourselves, but that we would find healing in him. In all of this and all that we, we talk about today and all that's led, I'll lead us through a number of these times. First of all, I'm not in any stretch of the imagination in a better place than any of you. I, I, we're together in this as we're seeking, our, humbling ourselves before the Lord. But as well to uh, to recognize and not be discouraged, not be uh, distracted in this. As we're seeking to humble ourselves regarding our sin, understand this. God loves you with an everlasting love. Today, his goal is not to condemn you, but his goal is to convict you. Because that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And that we would be open to the Holy Spirit to convict us this day. And lead us to be able to come clean before him. So let's just humbly come, uh, lead us in prayer, and then the worship team will lead us. Just like Isaiah in in chapter 6, he was there and saw the Lord. and, And holy, holy is the Lord. And then recognized who he was. And the need to come clean before God. So, Father, we enter into your presence this day. We recognize you are here. And we ask that you would help us. We know what is needed. We know what you ask. And yet, even in that, we find it difficult to do. Holy Spirit, come. Break our hearts with that which breaks yours. Help us to humble ourselves before you this day, to come clean and to see you do a mighty work that as we humble ourselves, we will find your healing. And in this, even today, to begin a change in us as individuals, to change us as a church and a move towards a change in our country. Move in us in this that we might glorify your name in all of it. In Jesus' name. You know, back in James 4, verse 8, that we just were talking about, let me just remind you again, It says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. To wash or cleanse, not only our hands, but purify in our hearts. In other words, to, to come clean is to confess before God, to agree with him what he says about our sin. Coming clean about our actions, our behavior, our conduct, which is in our hands, so to speak. 
but not only about what we do that we shouldn't be doing, but about what we should be doing that we are not doing. And sometimes I think we can sink into a religion that somehow thinks sins of omission God just overlooks. What we overlook, God overlooks. But that can't be true if Jesus had to go to the cross and die for that. God didn't overlook it, and neither should we. But it's beyond coming clean about that which is in our hands, so to speak. It's about purifying our hearts. It's saying purify your hearts, our attitudes, our thoughts. Not being double-minded, trying to love God and the world, but a pure heart, an undivided heart before him. Humbling ourselves is, is that coming clean that is needed for communion. If you didn't get a chance to grab a communion element, uh, two of the communion elements as you come through, I encourage you to, to go over and do that so that later you have that with you. But we're reminded of what that is about and what we're to do at those times of communion. And so as we think about this today, coming clean before God, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. And those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick. A number of you have fallen asleep meaning died. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. In other words, as individuals, if we would judge ourselves, then God won't have to. It, it just comes down to that which is what we're trying to get to today and move to humbling ourselves before God today. But it's not just today before communion. It should be every day with Christ. How do we come clean before God? Do we just say a prayer like, God, I'm sorry? No, it's more to it than that. In fact, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what eagerness, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. This is a godly sorrow. This is the sorrow that, that he's calling for in us here today to humble ourselves before him. And it, it, it's serious. Oh, look at all those things that it's saying there that it is a part of. I mean, this is coming clean. is more than just washing off dirt so that we can go back and play in the mud. Coming clean is more than just stopping what we're doing. It is about stopping and are heading towards sin and turning away and turning towards the savior coming clean is about repentance what you read at the top there repentance humbling ourselves personally it's a change of mind a change of heart a change of direction a change of life recognizing that we are dead to sin but we've been made alive to christ not just merely in a, a repentance of our actions but a repentance of our attitude at the very heart level which is why james in verse 9 the very next verse right says grieve mourn and wail change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom there's a happy verse but that's what it's saying it's not about happy in fact did you know that word that's used there for grieve literally means to be miserable. To mourn deals with a deep grief. This is a big deal that we would be humbled to be broken. Realizing how far we have fallen short in light of the great love and salvation that has been given to us. Psalm 51, a great place to look as we think about it. We'll read it a little bit later as prayer, thinking about repentance and confessing our sin. In Psalm 51 at the end in verses 16 and 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. 
Dr. Rob Reamer, a number of you have, have heard of in different places, says this, God isn't looking for perfection. He is looking for contrition. God isn't looking for put-together people. He is looking for broken people. God isn't looking for strong people. He is looking for weak people who cry out for His strength. God is irresistibly attracted to the humble and contrite of heart, but the proud walk alone. How about you? Have you come to a place where you grieve, mourn, and wail about your sin and you come clean before God? Do we struggle with it like that? Are we overcome with a godly sorrow about our sin? Or we think, well, yeah, I could do better. Yeah, I know I could do better. Not that I'm that bad because I definitely know some other Christians that are a lot worse than I am. That is not humbling ourselves before the Lord. The only one that we should compare ourselves to is Christ. Verse 9 in saying this grieve, mourn, and wail is not saying this. Hey, once in a lifetime you should have an experience where, you know, you just are really broken over sin. It is not saying, you know, when you really blow it big time, when you really mess up and you really feel bad about it, you're just broken over your sin. That's good. You should have those moments. No, this is. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Are we so overwhelmed with the thought that this thing that we need to come clean about is not merely a sin problem, it's a love problem. A love for Christ, who loves us immeasurably. So let's do something about that. Part of what we're doing today is not just to talk about it, but to walk it. But to do that, it has to be specific. It's not just, oh God, forgive me of my sin. I know I've got some. It's not a general kind of thing. We specifically committed them. We specifically confessed them. The specific things in our life that we need to turn over. To turn away from and turn over to God. And ask the Holy Spirit even to help to make us clean. I mean, that's something Psalm 139 talks about. And it's something that I hope that in this morning that you'll be doing this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So where's the first place your thoughts go regarding your sin? For many of us, we already know there's already something that for some reason we continue to struggle with, that we continue to have to confess, although whether we've truly repented, ever been broken about, that might be a different story. But usually those things that we think of that we have to confess before God is those things that we see are are sins between us and God. I mean, only he really knows about it. And that's good. I mean, that makes sense. But James here is talking about humbling ourselves. He's talking about coming clean. He's talking about grieve, mourn, and wail up through verse 10. And then in verse 11, he gets specific about sin. In verse 11, he gets specific about the sin. That all too often we do not want to be specific about. That we do not want to be, and we are not broken up about. James, in the context, and so often I think we've been surprised if we've looked at the book of James, that we hear familiar verses, but we do not rec- have not recognized the context of what is right around it. James, in saying, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up, says verse 11, brothers, Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? 
This deals with our relationship. There's a sin to grieve, mourn, and wail about is, is specifically he's bringing up our relationship with others. That has a direct correlation with our relationship with God. We see in verse 11, he says, do not slander one another. That's not just the way we think of it in legal terms. That word is a more general term that's used to speak against another person, to tear them down, not build them up, to attack them, to be unkind. All of that breaking the law of God. In verse 11, it's addressed, it says to brothers, we recognize especially as it deals with Christians one to another. We need to come clean of the sin of speaking poorly about others, damaging another person's reputation and hurting them, putting them down, backbiting, fault-finding, criticizing, name-calling. Not just the people that are directly in your life or that you interact in your family, your workplace, but people that you don't really even know, but you're using their name and talking of them in these ways. We need to wake up and be broken up over the severity of our sin towards one another. A sin that is joining the devil. You know, sometimes I think, like the devil, we think that's just, you know, that's his name or Satan or whatever. You know, that's, you know, like my name's Tim. You know, he says, hi, I'm the devil. You know, no, it's not really. That is a description Of one and that name that means to slander, to malign, to accuse. Revelation 12, verse 10 says the devil is the accuser of the brethren, which is why this sin that James talks about we should be so broken up about. To humble ourselves right here. In fact, I would just invite you. To use your seats as altars if you're able and you want, Neil, to be able to do that before him. It's not just going to be one person saying a quick prayer. If you've never been with us in some of our prayer events that we've done, uh, about once a quarter doing these kind of things. But you feel free to come forward as well. If that's your desire. There is a, a mic here that... If the Holy Spirit moves you that you need to confess that sin, you need to move in you that confess that sin before others, understand it is really before others, not just here or those who might be online, but I want to provide the opportunity for those to be obedient to God. But understand this biblically and what is happening and what he's asking us is this is about confessing your sin. And sometimes we're good about confessing my sin and somebody else's. And like, well, I know I kind of had, but this person, I, you know, when we come before God, if we're going to be humble, if we're going to be broken, it has to be about me, myself and I, and no one else. Not even coming close to pointing a finger. That's what this first prayer section will be about personal sin. And a little later, we'll hit on a wider scale corporately. I, I, occasionally, I'll... During our time, uh, I'll read a scripture perhaps just to help us focus, but just to know the seek, ask God, the Holy Spirit, to speak, to convict us, to bring us to our knees, to humble us, and us to humble ourselves. I know we were looking for God to humble us, but it really says, humble yourself before the Lord. So the worship team's going to lead us in a, in a song, worship a prayer. To prepare us to come to a personal time of repentance before God. And then after that song, I'm going to lead us in that and, and uh, begin it with a prayer as it deals to, out of Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you 
You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin. Did my mother conceive me? Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret part. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness at the bones you have broken. Rejoice, hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Holy Spirit, reveal in these moments to us not just what we need to confess, but how we need to repent. May we be broken before you. Even use this time right now, Lord, help us. Each in our own spot and our altar, whether it's those who are here on site or those who are online. You are an omnipresent God. You are everywhere and you are there in those living rooms or wherever people are online right now, just as real as you are right here. And you want to fall upon us. Help us to fall upon you. love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in them for everything in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life comes not from the father but from the world the world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of God lives forever Jesus, show us how we have fallen short. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Holy Spirit, show us. May your word be a sword pierced through. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if we forgive men their trespasses, you, Heavenly Father, will forgive us also. Lord, may we not just be revealed, but may we be broken before you. May we continue on in a spirit of humbling ourselves. In fact, that's it's a very simple chorus. Long will go, but it fits. It is James 4.10. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Ladies who know the part, the echo, feel free to do that. But we have humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And he in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And he Humbling happens before healing. He wants to lift us up. Now, as we think about 2 Chronicles 7, 14, 
So we think uh, humbling ourselves corporately now, moving into that about uh, together, and we think about that which is asked there, and we even just thinking about this past year, all its problems, all its turmoil, all its upheaval, the conflict, the uncertainty. Here's some Christians, it's like it's somehow it's taking God by surprise, all this happening. Even for some, it's as if God's plans, what, or what man is doing, has somehow ruined God's plans. We're busy pointing our finger at this person or these people that are either the cause or the solution instead of looking up to heaven. As the church of God should. And I wonder whether sometimes if we really believe in the sovereignty of the God of the Bible. And whether our faith is really in a creator king who omnipotently rules over all the universe. Or are we struggling with that? Not in... Not in only how we pray, but if we are even truly praying before him. I'm not saying in any way that all of this that has happened is not a judgment of God. I'm not saying that it is or it is not. But what I do know is this, that our God is powerful enough for this to have never happened. That our God is powerful enough that in a moment, even as we have gone along through this, just a little bit of it, God could have with just one word stopped what we're going through. But he did not. He's still a good God, so what's going on? What is he trying to get across? What is the good he is trying to bring out of the bad at the very least? And could it be to shake us up? Could it be to wake up his people, the church, so that we would be humbly broken over that which was already broken before all this mess? But we chose not to see it or deal with it. I'm not talking about what was broken in society. Most church people see that. Rather, I'm talking about seeing what was broken in us, broken in the church, that we need to be broken about before God. And that's difficult to see if instead of looking in the mirror of God's word at ourselves, instead we are more concerned about looking through our window, our holier-than-thou place at the world around us and how broken it is and how it's going from bad to worse. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. The problem I think that we have, though, is that we're not going to find healing unless humbling happens in the church, in God's people first. And it's difficult if we have a pharisaical, self-righteous attitude that wants to throw the first stone. We're not perfect. But we're better. Oh, nobody would actually say we're better. We just live better than them. Isn't that the same thing? Do we really think that the world needs to repent, but we do not? How is it that we think the world is going to repent if the church does not? If we who have received grace, if we who have been changed from dark to light, if we who have gone from death to life won't repent... How are we expecting the world who does not have the Holy Spirit of God to convict them and empower them to live a godly life to somehow repent? How can we expect those who are in darkness, who are dead in sin, to repent first? God's call has always been for us, his people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And it says to turn from their wicked ways. That's what we're talking about today. Repentance. That's what repentance is about. But this is not just an individual. That's even that in that statement. And that we've read is not an individual thing. It is a corporate. It is a whole. It is my people together. We want God to heal our land. 
and for things to get back to normal. How many times we've heard that? But what if normal is what got us into this trouble to begin with? What if the normal temperature is lukewarm? What if normal, the normal that was working for us before, was not working for God? What if getting back to normal is to get back to what slowly had become a comfortable, cold religion? What if God is waiting to bring healing until we really will humble ourselves? Not waiting for us to accept a new normal, but rather to go back to an old revival. Perhaps that many of us never even really knew. Could it be that we are so focused and concerned about just trying to get through this time of trial without joy, by the way, that we should have in trials, as James talks about? Could it be that we're missing what God is trying to get through to us? And so God just keeps extending class. Are you with me? God keeps having to repeat himself. Okay, I'd like to move on, but apparently I've got to repeat myself here. Because there's something he wants us to get out of this, but all we're concerned about is just to get out of this. So could it be we have not fully surrendered to the Lord in the midst of our trials? Could it be that in so many ways we put our hand back on the steering wheel? Or even more than that, we shoved our foot on the accelerator. Let's just get moving. We need to get this. We're going to find healing. There needs to be humbling and it needs to be an us who each of us are God's people together responsible. The church is not a few people. It is not a few who do this or that. It is all of us. It is all who are involved. And today, right here, right now, again, we're going to take some time to humble ourselves, to seek his face in corporate repentance as a church, as Oil City Community Alliance and as a part of the church as a whole. Again, this is not calling somebody out. This is not uh, confessing, oh, how bad. Yeah, the church really is messed up and the church is really. No, this is I am the church. You are the church. So when we confess, it's me. I together have been a part of the problem and not the solution. And I need to confess that before you, God. It's not about and what. We're about to bring before the Lord the sins of our country because healing is not going to happen until first humbling happens in his people, God's people. Just like it did in the revivals in the word, just like it has in revivals that have taken place in our country. In the history of our country, there have been revivals, but it had always happened when God's people humbled themselves and sought his face and turned from their wicked ways. Then the miraculous and amazing things happened as so many came to Christ. The society was changed, but not until the church changes. Lord, help us in this time right now to turn to you. To confess, to repent. mourn and weep even as Joel tells us even now declares the Lord return to me with all your heart with fasting with weeping with mourning rend your hearts and not your garments return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and he relents from sending disaster Holy Spirit help us not just as individuals, but as your people. Humble right now before you. Where you're at.
that before him. Confess that. have we fallen short? mercy upon me. Have mercy upon us. In so many ways, we have fallen short. So many ways, we've been standing up more than kneeling down before you. I confess, help us to turn from this and to turn to you. Our prayerlessness. There's a sense in a world of a, of a helplessness even within the church and yet we continue on with our prayerlessness. has happened is has led us to a powerlessness before you, before a dying world. They find themselves in a hopelessness. All because of our faithlessness to you what you ask us, what you set before us, what is so clear. Oh, we've just made it a religion that we're comfortable with. A religion we want to keep, but not necessarily keep your word. Forgive us. As we recognize our cry for that forgiveness where it comes in preparing for communion, it truly is nothing but the blood of Jesus that can do that.
as we come before him broken. Our sin we recognize as we come to communion. The bread represents his body that was broken for us so that we would not forever be broken. His body is broken so that we might be whole, so that we might be healed. Psalm 32, which is a, in many ways a companion to 51 that I read earlier, says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in him in whose spirit is no deceit. As we get ready to celebrate communion, may this be a time moving on from repentance to receiving, to receiving the wholeness, the healing, to receiving the, the healing that he wants to do us in us in so many different ways. As 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. As we get ready to partake of the cup, I just ask that we would, and for many times we, we know in our heads that song we just sang, the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and that he makes us whole, that in our humbling we find healing, but we have not fully received in our hearts that. I would just ask this in this moment, as we're here with him, remembering what he did for us on the cross, as you would just open not just your mind, but your heart, your very soul to receive that healing, that cleansing. Divide faith as we put off the old man that we would stand in the victory of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the cleansing that it brings. That we would put off as we have repented from the selfishness, we would receive love. We would receive His grace. We would receive His mercy. That same night that Jesus betrayed, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this cup represents my blood, which is shed for the remission of sins. For you, take and drink. We want God to really move and work in us. This don't leave here without receiving what he wants to give. There are too many that have grown up in church and we know the facts. We believe. But for some reason, we think we still have to punish ourselves. We still beat ourselves up over that which is under the blood of Jesus. We still beat ourselves up over that which Jesus was beaten up for on the cross already. As we sing this song, let's continue to receive His grace. Lord, before you we receive your grace, your mercy. 
in our humbleness, we receive the healing that you've promised. But not just to us as individuals in this moment, Lord, we receive the healing for us as a church, for your church in this country, in this world. But we recognize that there's still more that we will continue the need to humble ourselves before you, but we need to stop and receive. That just as you love us as individuals, you love us as a church, your people, no matter how we have fallen or failed you, today is a new day. The past ended last night, and so... We begin fresh and new. And the power of your Holy Spirit leading us forward. Not just to be a good Christian in some comfortable religion. But to be who you've always intended for us to be. Set us free. Help us to continue to fall upon our knees and find your power so that your kingdom may come and your will be done here on this earth. Lord, we pray along with your word that you, the God of hope, would fill us with all joy and peace in believing and that by the power of the Holy Spirit we might abound in hope. Let this song that we're saying here be the, the prayer to move us from here. Let this be that which we would continue wanting Jesus to build our life, his life in us. From the brokenness to the wholeness, from the humbling to the healing. way to end this is just this and all God's people said amen, amen.